0: gentlemen Welcome on board this 1995 ruotless flight to Seoul. Please fasten your seatbelt and stay seated until the seatbelt sign is off. On behalf of your captain Katrina Luley and the cabin crew, we wish you a pleasant flight. We have now reached our destination, Seoul. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. Wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast, welcome back to Rootless, the podcast that takes you around the world with me on my travels. This is your host, Katrina Lungse, once again, and this time from Seoul. Welcome to the second episode of my Seoul season. And today we're talking corporate Korea, a world that I'm very unfamiliar with, but however, also very intrigued with. I'm going to keep this introduction very short today because our interview with my guest Regan is already quite long, but there are just a few things I would want to address before we get into it. First of all, I've had a few comments lately saying, but Katrine, I thought your podcast was only for women. No. No nothing's ever only for women indeed my first season was in paris and it was a feminism season and i decided to exclusively have only women on that podcast but however first of all feminism doesn't mean the exclusion of men second of all this is my soul season it is a an expat season here because i'm only temporarily here for for four to five months which means i'm focusing more on kind of entry-level getting to know Seoul, South Korea, its political, social, and cultural platform and scene here, and any experience is, is valid. For instance, for today's interview with Regan, he has a tremendous amount of experience in corporate life here in Korea, so it would be absolutely foolish not to have him on to today's interview, Regan is a corporate advisor and professor and he does consulting and teaching work here in Seoul. He's been here for about half a decade and I was lucky enough to have him in the studio to talk to me about corporate life here in Korea and what he's experienced in his working life here. Regan had a few bold statements that you'll hear in the interview. And he does, in the end, invite anyone who disagrees to contact the podcast and tell him why he's wrong. So please, when you're listening to this, if you have another experience or another idea of one of the things that Regan is talking about, please do get in touch with us. You can reach us out on Instagram. It is Rootless Journalist. You can contact us on Twitter, also on Rootless Journalist. You can visit my website, katrinelungsut.com, or you can send us an email. That you can find all on our website. I repeat, it is katrinelungsut.com. So, without further ado, I think we're just going to jump straight into it and talk about corporate career. (music) We have now reached our destination, Seoul. What's your nitty-gritty pleasure?
1: You know, it's probably making these lectures mm-hmm. that I do. Um, I had the freedom, when I, when I first started, I had the freedom of, there was no book. Mm-hmm. There was no book. And they were like, well, Reagan, you got to create your own lessons here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, Jesus, what do, what, do, what do other people do? And these other folks, they, they printed these news articles and handed them out. And I thought they could be so much more than that. I wanted to take those articles and extract the lessons and the thought process behind them and turn it into a visual show, if you will. It's very presentation-based. I'm in keynote all day. And the color of the font, (laughs) the size of the font, the transitions, does it help aid the thinking? Mm. Because for my audience is mostly Korean, and English is a second language to them. So I'm aiding them. To, and guiding them to, to the point that I want to make mm-hmm. and whether they agree with that or not that's that's another deal but it's really the communication process and that nitty grittiness is that gets me going because when the show is done and I'm and I go back and I'm like man that was worth it
0: that was worth that
1: it. was worth, spending that that 20 minutes on that single line how can I rewrite it how does it look on screen what are my lighting what's my lighting environment like what's the projector they're using and I think that all culminates into the point, and I, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy that.
0: So before we get into nitty-gritty about your life here in yeah. Korea and your presentations, yeah. let's get into why you actually came here in the first place. And what kind of happened to, to you prior to moving to Korea that made you want to go here?
1: You know, I got sick and tired of the corporate life in California. You know, it was rewarding. You know, uh, I, I was very lucky. I, I ran into an older man who kind of owned this operation about military weapons and... Mm-hmm. And I, and I ended up working with him and he promoted me fairly quickly. Uh, I guess he saw something in me and I I just went along for the ride and I just took these paychecks. This wasn't something that I wanted to do, but I knew that I was made for the nine to five environment. Mm -hmm. I, I liked it. I thought I was made for it. I could handle it. But the ones, the, the things that I really didn't enjoy that I wasn't prepared for was the politics in the office and, and, and. And they don't teach you about that in school, really. No. You know, so you kind of got to learn the hard way of who to trust and who's out to get you. And, you know, I really got tired of that. I wanted to focus on doing the job and and making a better product or service. But a lot of this, uh, again, these politics and bureaucracy get in the way. Mm
0: -hmm. And it
1: was sad, and it killed my passion over time. And um, I knew there was something else out there. I wanted to do more. Materially, it was all there um, house, cars, I just got out of a relationship. It was great. But then I was like, you know what, there's got to be more than this.
0: And why did you choose Korea then?
1: You know, I actually narrowed it down to continents. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, it's either going to be Europe or Asia. And in Europe, I said, okay, maybe one of these Scandinavian countries, they they got my interest. I saw this documentary on on their education system. And I was like, man, they're doing (laughs) everything right over there. So that was on my short list, um, like Norway or Sweden or Netherlands, uh, Those were that was on my list. In mm-hmm. Asia, it was only two. And that was Japan or Korea. And and I said, well, let's just give it a shot. I threw it out there, threw out the resume. And, and Korea, I got phone calls from Korea within a week. Oh. So they picked me up first. Japan was a little late to the game. I'd already made my plans. But I said, you know what, let's make Japan the next stop. Mm-hmm. And then let's see what, what's going on over over there in Europe for the next stop. But that's it. Just three. Okay. I, I didn't have the, the energy or the ambition to go worldwide. For me, three was good. And that was why I picked Korea. Korea was supposed to be first in a line.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've done Korea. You've done Japan.
1: I've done Korea. I've done Japan.
0: Did you have any desire to move on to Europe?
1: I want to. I think there's a lot of circumstances I'm in right now that prevent me from doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the... The interest is still there and I, I don't want to kill that, you know, I wanted maybe a great vacation would inspire me to think about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's, it's definitely a place that I wanted to see for myself instead of through the lens of the internet.
0: Which yeah. is not a bad lens always, especially not for this podcast.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it actually inspired me, you know, to go there and I was like, I just thought it was really cool what they got going on over there and their culture and I wanted to see what that meant
0: mm-hmm. to be
1: there live.
0: So what was the biggest culture shock when you, when you then did finally arrive in Korea?
1: You know, of course you got your little things, you know, I thought they dressed very spiffy around here. <laughs> you know, we're lazy Californians, you know, we, it's a hoodie is all we need. Uh, you know, we have this thing in, in the States where it's like, the farther east you go, the, the more formal the attire, especially mm-hmm. in business. And that's new to me. But in Korea, they were all dressed up. They, mm-hmm. they all looked nice. Everywhere was like a fashion show for them. They looked great. They had great clothing. The little things like that. Um, I think the biggest shock to me was how they treat each other. You know, I think they—they're very nice people. They have great intention. They're very accommodating. They always ask, you know, hey, did you eat anything? Which mm-hmm. really means, how are you? Yeah. You know, for for us, and I didn't know. I was like, man, they—they they really want to eat. You know, uh, you notice even at a restaurant or family setting, it's the food is very communal. Mm-hmm. So they like to share a lot versus, you know, back in the States, it's, it's I got my own plate and hey, you got yours.
0: You've got your burgers and don't touch my fries.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. But here they, they share and, and, and that was, that was, that level of care was different to me because, you know, maybe maybe it's the, the part of California I'm from, but folks are, they got a front. Mm-hmm. And there's usually intention behind that.
0: Do you feel like you do have less of a front here though?
1: Actually, it's probably equal. It's just different. It's a different mask.
0: What kind of mask?
1: You know, for for us visiting foreigners here, I've always felt that we were viewed as like a decoration. We weren't really the main pie. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, uh, in the classroom, I remember when I was teaching these university students, I had like 20 or 30 in my class. And I thought I was doing pretty good. And I I come out, my class is over, and across the hall there's this glass, and I see this class got 150 students in there. And I was like, holy cow, this 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 guy's killing me you know, because I got to sell these tickets. And and I I go over there and these students are falling asleep in class. They didn't even know the instructor's name. They just looked very bored. And I look at the instructor and she was just sitting there behind a computer with her eyes down, no contact with the class, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: showing these horrible, boring PowerPoint slides. And I realized that that was the moneymaker for that company, for Mm. that, that, that company. They that, it was tests, by the way. They were studying for a test. I don't know what it was, but that was the moneymaker. Mm-hmm. And, and I carried some level of popularity, but I was nothing. They were the hamburgers, and I was the French fries. But you know what's funny? When I go to McDonald's, I first thing I go for is the fries. Me too. That's the first thing I go for. And I realize in all the businesses that I'm involved in, or if there's other foreigners involved in, we're really second fiddle. And if you wanna have some sort of longevity or career here in South Korea, you gotta be able to come to terms with that.
0: So when you say us, you mean foreigners in general?
1: Very much so. Mm. We, are not, we are seen as not Korean.
0: Mm.
1: It's not American, it's not Mexican, it's not French. It's, you're not Korean. And therefore we're viewed completely differently and treated differently. And sometimes that's to our favor and other times it's not.
0: When has that been to your favor?
1: You know, more recently, I'd say in media, it's yeah. more in our favor. Uh, I, de- you know, I decided to do some crazy things this year. I wanted to try my hands in, in, in acting and, and things like that just to try it. And I got involved with that very quickly. Mm-hmm. I got invo- involved with the studio nearby, which, starting doing commercials with them. I was offered roles to play an American military soldier in one small TV role. And I thought that was kind of cool yeah.
0: um,
1: because obviously English comes very natural to most of us foreigners here if you come from an English-speaking country. And they value that tremendously here. Um, obviously, if, if you got the looks to go with it, you know, and you got the cool genetics to go with it, it's tremendously in your favor because you just got to pose with the product. Mm-hmm. Take a couple photo shots. There's a payday. Um, that's when it's in our favor. When it's against our favor, I think if you're in, in that boardroom or that meeting where it comes to decision-making, they're going to go right over you. I've seen folks in meetings, they have foreigners there just as a showpiece. Mm-hmm. They put you in a suit, they ask you not to speak, but you're there in front of the cover shots, you're there at the meeting to show that your company is more international. And I think that that goes against the grain because it makes us look like you know, zoo animals in a way and and i think there's that 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 sells us short
0: do you think that's part of the whole um like keeping face kind of mentality here like oh yeah see we've got foreigners working at our company oh, yeah. look how international we are
1: right absolutely it's just a lot of it you know and this might rub some you know ruffle some feathers it, it's a front it's it's a beautiful front the lights and the the glamour and the shininess of it all uh, that's what they value when it comes to substance very few don't pay attention to that. Sadly, mm. um, you know. And sometimes I would sit in these meetings, and I would see another foreigner from another country, and I would pop some questions to them, and they didn't even know the answer. Ah. So you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're a showpiece as well. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm doing it for them too. You know, so, <laughs> you know, it is. It is about keeping face, and and I think more people are seeing through that. Mm. And if anything, it hurts the image of Korea to do that.
0: In terms of like foreign employers or foreign employees coming over here in terms of in terms
1: of using the misusing talent Mm. misusing people yeah
0: okay
1: I've seen that more often than not I've seen some fantastic professors I've worked with that were just light years smarter than me and I watched them just walk out the door and nobody gave them a counter offer or asked them to stay you know I thought they were great talent and, 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 and they just let them go
0: so I just want to come back to one point that you said earlier about hmm. America and yeah. when you lived there—that the, um, you were tired of the office politics. Very much so, yeah. So, is this one of the things that you might be inclined to be tired of in Korean office politics?
1: You know, uh, you know. I'm not part of the Korean politics here because I'm not even allowed in a lot of the meetings.
0: Hmm.
1: I've been, you know, sometimes they have meetings that say Koreans only. That they've actually said that, and I thought. Oh. Well, that's not very nice to hear.
0: Is that because of a language barrier or just in general?
1: You know, I think it's the language barrier and a lot of unwritten rules
0: Uh
1: of the culture. They don't take our opinions or ideas quite seriously. Um, And again, this is not just for me, but from other folks who had great ideas or great insight to a particular topic. It starts to happen and it's predicted and could be prevented. But because of your passport, the idea goes right in the garbage can.
0: Well, that is certainly is a shame.
1: Very much so, and I've seen that happen more often than not. And again, there's—it's not always the case, but it's certainly the majority.
0: Do you think that has something to do with their their very um, the very idea of like a one um, origin nation, or is mm. it just—is it a corporate business politics thing?
1: It's a little bit of both, actually. Mm. You know, I—I've certainly been here long enough to see the benefits of a homogenous society. You know, being from Los Angeles, it's what probably the capital of diversity. You know, And, and that, there's some pros and cons of each. I think when it comes to diversity, you look at NASA, for example, in, in Southern California, their staff is from all walks of life, all over the world, all kinds of ages. Mm-hmm. So when they approach a solution, they have a lot of different ways of thinking and they just choose the one and modify it that fits them best. Whereas here in South Korea, it's what, 99% ethnic Koreans and they tend to think the same way and come to the same conclusions educated the same way and they come to arrive at the same solutions. So when it and that happens in business. So you know they like it that way because they probably want to avoid conflict rather than improve a given situation, which is a shame.
0: Mhm. And this whole um, avoid conflict, how does that actually like what kind of consequences does it have in terms of the Korean businesses here?
1: I like what you said earlier. It's about the face. You know, they they don't want to embarrass themselves if they're wrong, which, uh, you know, and if I say anything wrong in this show, I hope someone corrects me. Mm -hmm. I don't have all the facts. I'm giving you the perspectives that I have. Uh, But for a lot of these folks, they're they're very embarrassed. They they believe it's shameful to be incorrect, which, uh, you know, sometimes in my lectures, I purposely give incorrect information to show that it's okay to be wrong.
0: But I guess that kind of ties into what we were speaking about earlier, too, mm. that here there very much is like, a, what do you call it, like an answer list. There's an answer list to everything, and yeah. the views generally aren't very nuanced. So right. usually there is a wrong and a right answer here. Correct. Like, I don't think critical thinking and debate is something that's encouraged.
1: It's not encouraged. And
0: Well, at least I can speak for from a university student's mm-hmm. point of view. I'm not sure how... Have um, you felt that in corporate
1: life? In corporate life, it's tough. If if I'm talking to to you and you're you're the one who's making the final decision on this project, uh, rather I'm going to start putting the seeds out there and let you water the seeds with those words. Uh, hey, Katrine, what if we try Studio A with with a little better light and better soundproofing? What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you'll start to feed that idea, and people think that people want to involve themselves in. Ideas they think they came on their own or they feel that they've participated in. Mm -hmm. And I let that go, and they know where the idea came from. And that some way influences them rather than argue and saying, hey, Katrina, I have a better place. I have a better way. Instead of saying, I, I, me, me, Mm -hmm. what do you think of this? And it's that subtle shift in, in, in the vocabulary that you use and the tone. It makes it feel like it was your own idea, and they take off with that. And that's how I instill a lot of change if I'm able to do so.
0: So what is your actual I mean, this is going to be a really hard question because of course you don't have one main purpose or one main goal with the with the public speaking and the the lectures that you do. but yeah. if you were going to choose one or at least a limited amount, what would you what would you say?
1: I enjoy be I enjoy doing the lectures for universities. Hmm. I really do. I Again, I, I just when I stand out here and I look at the bright-eyed bushy tailed students, I see the motivation. They want to instill change. They are not beaten and battered like the nine to five. Actually, it's not nine to five here, really, <laughs> is it? It's like the corporate jobs. Yeah. You know, you see the folks in the subway and, 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 uh, and the bus lines, the look on their face, they're beat to death. Mm. They're really there for a paycheck. They're not here for a career anymore. Versus the young folks, they're inspired. We have so much information available to us now, and their thinking is different and fresh. Mm. And I love to inspire those folks. I love to help the young folks with the resources that I might have. So they can make an influence, and they can see the real world, and I I like that. So if I had to choose, I definitely love being in the university, high school type of classroom. uh, Because they're there, they're with it, they got the energy, they got the fire.
0: And what's the main thing you would want to change in young people's kind of attitude, life? You
1: know, if anything, I I bring them the alternative perspective of a California guy. Mm. It's not correct, it's not right or wrong, it's just another viewpoint. Um, we can sit here and point at the accomplishments that California has brought to the world. We can compare them to the list that what Korea has brought to the world, but that's not going to get us anywhere. I think if it's really a collaboration of ideas and different ways of thinking and not just of different cultures, but of different ages. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I like the younger folks and I've had more success with them. And I enjoy conversations with them more than the older folks. Older folks are kind of, Hey, this is how I like my coffee. that's it, you know? Yeah.
0: So how is it for you then, when you go into these big corporations and you have to do some kind of lecture or whatever for Mm, a big business with a bunch of old suits? Oh yeah. How are you perceived?
1: You know, they go to bat for me. If I, you know, like this, there's this one company here, um, it's a major construction company here. The director used to be my student, and this guy he had a daughter who's my age, so he actually goes to bat for me. He comes up and he does the introduction for me. Hey, this is Reagan. He, he's been this, he's been that. He says all these wonderful things about me that half of them aren't true. <laughs> but, but then it, it gives me credibility before I hit the stage. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I hit the stage or the corporate environment, he's already painted me in a good light. And I think that helps a lot because they believe him because he's the boss. Mm. And that helps me a little bit. And he says, well, he talks to me beforehand. He's like, these are the topics I want to hit. Uh, these are some fresh new hires. And I want to continue to have that internal corporate training. And this is what I'd like to steer them to. Can you help me? And I show them a few demos privately and, and then I go in there and I show it. We have always a Q&A or discussion at the end because I want to hear what they say. And most importantly, sometimes you get that one employee, that one young buck, who's completely against everything but I want his or her voice to be heard in front of the manager or director.
0: Do you normally successfully manage to get that opinion voiced?
1: Absolutely. If I, if I wasn't successful at it, I wouldn't have that job, <laughs> you know. And
0: but I, I think it's hard, and especially in Kore- well, K- Korean Confucianism, like, saying your opinion and go, that goes against the group, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not easy here.
1: It's not. And, and, you know, for a lot of young folks, I ask them to prove it. Mm-hmm. And I help them with putting together a demo, whether it's the video or getting you know, the live demo of an app I did recently. And once the, the, fo- the older folks in decision-making abilities, power, they, they see this demo and it sells them just a little bit further.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And unfortunately, the name of the game is money. Can I profit off this? No one else has that idea. We should jump on this opportunity. And I try to say, hey, this is your employee. You think they're a jerk? It's your jerk. Mm. You can profit off this or someone else is hearing this and seeing this demo and they're going to run off because there's no IP laws here. Someone's going to run off and they're videotaping us and someone else has the idea. And again, it's really building that relationship of trust and consistency first. And it's the basics for the young folks. Showing up on time, being dependable, quality work. You establish that reputation. It builds and it compounds over time. And now they know, hey, uh, for example, you know, Reagan's on time. He's someone we should listen to for this. He's been teaching us for a while. And he says, hey, you know, Katrine's got a point over here. Just that little spark, mm-hmm. and that's all I need most of the time. Just to get in your head, just once. It's not a no; it's a maybe, and that's all I need.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that little spark, like being an entrepreneur here. Yeah, because I think that's you. You told me earlier, or oh. you you wrote from the brief that it is it is easy on paper. <coughs> yes, it is it is possible, but yeah. actually, it's really hard. It is. How uh, does it differ from from other? Countries. Well, from the U.S., I guess.
1: Well, you know, in the U.S., we got laws everywhere. And we're going to come after you for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're a very uh, lawyer-happy, sue-happy type of country. You make one mistake, you're going to get a letter, cease and desist letter. Whereas in Korea, it just costs money, and money is cheap. That's it. If that's all you need, money, it's, it's easy to round up some investors or to round up some influencers and say, you know, I'm, I want a part of that action because mm. I'm going to get a return from it. So you can buy your visas here. You can buy the licenses. The laws here are an absolute joke, uh, and there's numerous examples of where the laws not followed up or mm. enforced. They're merely suggestions, all the way from something as small as a traffic law to even corporate law.
0: So, in terms of corporate law and starting mm. your own business, how can you elaborate a bit on that?
1: In terms of its leniency, or
0: yeah, and, and like how the law is. Uh, Yeah, I'll give you
1: you one example. Uh, I was involved in a construction project about six months ago. It was done in June. And there's a lot of laws and permits in there, a lot of inspection that's on paper. But in reality, inspectors never came. They would approve via text message on the phone. All right. They haven't seen anything. Mm -hmm. The uh, electrical work, of course, that's safety issues and safety regulations. They didn't even look with the flashlight. The room was dark. The electricity wasn't even on. Guy comes in, he approves, and that was it. And I thought, you know, the wiring's not even done correctly. And I'm not an electrician, but I see a wire and a puddle on the floor, and my construction workers are wearing sandals. Great. And they just let it go right right through. That's one example. Another one is import-export law. Oh, boy, they'll do anything they can to hide things within products to pass customs. Mm -hmm. Things of that nature. And again, that, that can happen in a lot of other countries. Maybe I've been more exposed to that here.
0: So is this a thing that can actually benefit potential entrepreneurs?
1: Absolutely, because I've done it. I've done it. You know, I'm not, hopefully I'm not implicating myself. I've looked the other way. I've done it. And, and that's part of what led to sub- success that I'm involved in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because there's no one that's going to come after you. As soon as they see my name on the paper, they're like, oh my God, foreigner. I'm not going to talk to him. Green stamp. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And as long as you're not drawing too much attention, you'll be fine. So that's why you kind of spread things out
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it draws less attention. Uh, you, you, you don't want to advertise yourself in a way where someone's going to look and start complaining. You kind of play that low key role and, and you move these chess pieces in the right way. The law will just look the other way. They're looking at the big guys. They're not looking at small potatoes. So as long as you act like a small potato, you'll be fine. And yeah, the, on paper, it's easy. It's really, I've seen a lot of startups come up, but maintaining it's tough because the thinking process that goes into maintaining is quite difficult.
0: So, so what is that exactly? Like, What is it that Korean new businesses fall on here?
1: You know, where, where they fail? Mm. Mm. Marketing is one. PR is another. Um, again, it's an aging population.
0: Mm.
1: So, so the folks who are doing these startups, I was at the, the Seoul Startup Hub recently. And, and, and if you've ever been there, it's this great place where all the startups can go here in Korea. And it looks like Google opened up a headquarters here in Korea. And I went to the, one of these deals. I was invited to this uh, public speaking presentation firm small startup uh-huh. they were they were a couple of koreans who started up and they do they focused on medical presentations and i sat there and i watched their curriculum and their training and again going back to the show it looked like a startup the guys who were in charge they had the image of this being a startup but really when you peel back the layers it's still just korean do what i say follow the script and it, it, it could have been so much more Mm-hmm. They didn't craft the story to, 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 the, to get the attention of the influencers. They didn't use data to back that up. Instead of just data spewing. And because of those remnants of Korean society, old ways of thinking, that's held back a lot of companies from being what they could be.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about this old way of thinking mm. that you you just mentioned, like sure. Confucianism and mm. and Christianity and whatever else comes into play in this right. country. How right. do you think that affects corporate life here?
1: Oh God, it limits it so much. Because you got some old guy up there twiddling his thumbs, and what he says goes. All the best ideas come from him, mm. and most of the time, it's always a him. Um, You're never going to get ideas from the bottom up, no matter what, which is very sad. I think they've limited themselves. They've done very well in the past. I think that got Korea to the dance. But I don't know if it's going to help maintain where Korea is at and can they build upon that. Uh, Kind of a bad example. You look at the 90s. It was all about Japan. They were the technological powerhouse. They made the best consumer electronics. But now, where are they now? and if you look at korea they're they're riding that wave since the 2010s my question is are we going to be giving history lessons in 2020 like hey remember this remember that and it starts with the thinking it starts with the level, the education quality they have here and that's a whole new ball game it even starts in my opinion with the language they speak because i am a firm believer that the language you speak affects how you think
0: and and how does that play in with the korean language
1: well, for example, most Asian languages are symbols-based. Mm-hmm. They tend to be very good at mathematics and mathematics related uh, uh, tasks. Whereas if you look at something like uh, German, it's a very detailed language, and that's why German engineering is cream of the crop. Best cars in the world. Made right. in Germany, I'm buying it. American language, or I'm sorry, American English, or English in general is really, it's a mixed language, isn't it? Mm. It's a lot of shared ideas and that lends itself to capitalism. So I think it starts there, and maybe that's why they want folks to learn English here, but it's really not used in the house, outside of the classroom, and English is really the name of a test.
0: Absolutely, it's a test score.
1: It's a test score, it is not the language, it's not a culture, and and, and they're really missing half of that. And I've encouraged a lot of folks for one day to think in English, don't speak it, think in English, it changes radically, because the, what they think would, Determine their actions, and whether you're in school or you're in the office, that lends itself. The quality of the education system, God, that's a whole episode in itself. Um,
0: Yeah, let's not get into that. We'll never get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be here for three hours. That's that's not going to work.
1: But to sum it up, it's quite limited.
0: Mm.
1: It's quite limited. They're very educated, but they don't want to learn. And they don't know the difference between learning and education. Learning is you. Education, someone else is in charge. Mm And because they're unable to, to differentiate, the, they think that the books are the answer to that. They take the book knowledge to the corporate life and they wonder why they don't have it all figured out.
0: And why don't you think they have it all figured out?
1: Again, it's, 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 the, it's the top-down approach. When you come to work, it's like a lot of them, they're like, tell me what to do. Mm. I don't know what to do. Well, I need you to sign the contract with XYZ company. Well, how do I do that? You've got to have a meeting with them. You've got to build that relationship. What does that mean? Build a relationship. I don't know what that means. Again, they are accustomed to A, B, and C, and check one. When in reality, life is a blank sheet of paper and you got the pencil. And because of the upbringing, they're given the answers. Well, life doesn't give you these answers. You've got to figure it out for yourself. And that's very difficult, and they'd rather do the easy way and be told what to
0: do. That must be so hard to then come in as a foreigner and have to kind of give these presentations to yeah. teach people to think about possible solutions instead of thinking about the answer.
1: Oh, yeah. I You know, uh, I, I gave one recently about uh, uh, financing and accounting, about how you can jump over the credit card fees over a small purchase. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we open up the question, what are your ideas? What do you think? And, and that question, what do you think? Dead silence. You've got to guide them through there, and you're like, hey, what about this idea or this? And then they jump on it. Mm. But in reality, someone else did all the thinking in the work, and you just got to choose. So um, that, that was pretty, yeah, it is difficult. It's, challenge, it's not impossible, though. It is, that's why I like the young folks, because they're, they're more open versus the old folks. They're like... I would just give it to accounting, let them figure it out. And I'm like, oh boy, don't you want to be involved and see the other dimensions of thinking in your thought process? And they're not interested, only interested in the revenue at the bottom of the balance sheet.
0: So you've kind of come over here and you've you've done the impossible. You know, you've established yourself as a brand. You know, yeah. you've, you've made a living for yourself doing the thing that you love, you're yeah, teaching.
1: Very much so, yeah.
0: How, how, I mean, how? It's such a basic question, but what specifically was it that you think made you succeed in doing this
1: i stole from a lot of good people there is no reagan in my notes right here in front of me they are quotes and 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 ideas from all people that i've come across to in my life and i wrote it down and i take wow. these ideas and i put them together and i form a lecture i do an interview like i'm doing with you now so it sounds really eloquent And it sounds really cool, but really, I just aggregated all these answers that I agreed with, that I felt identified with me and my values. And I put them together. I'm a giant fraud. I've stolen from, from people who are smarter than me. And I just, I mixed it together. And it's like the most delicious cookie you've ever had. But it's really, I took this guy's sugar, I took her chips, and I took this guy's dough.
0: But that's what you just said about learning, right? Like yeah. learning is for you, and you've learned through life.
1: I did, yeah. With the people
0: so. that you've spoken to and the the things that you've done. and now you've come to find some kind of not I don't want to say answer, but you know um, some kind of solution. Very
1: much so. yeah. I, I read a lot of books and I notes are like crazy and I, and I end up putting them together into one, mm-hmm. if you will. And I think where I feel guilty about it is I've profited from it. And I've established my name and brand to a lot of these folks. And and that's where I feel a little guilty about it, you know, because a lot of it is not really original. Mm. It's taken from a lot of different sources.
0: But, I mean, at this point in time, there's no original thinking anymore. Every thought has already right. been thought. You're so. right.
1: You're right. Maybe I'm just trying to be humble and be like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that, you know, but...
0: Yeah, but you can't.
1: <laughs> you can, you know, you got to put together things, put your own spin on it. Exactly. Put your own flavor on it, and hopefully it bites. Mm-hmm. And, and people are like, you know what, I like I like this guy's work, or I like her work. That, That's pretty cool, I like that. And then they come back for more, and because they come back for more, well, you know, that pays the bills.
0: So you have actually successfully started your own business here, doing your thing. So what would your best advice to foreign people who want to establish or move their business to Korea or kind of outsource some of their business to Korea B.
1: You know, first of all, it's extremely challenging. And from a number standpoint, if you had 80% of the Korean market, you've invested a lot of resources in bringing your talent here, getting your infrastructure set up and your marketing and your PR, but Korea itself is is a small piece of the pie. So the return from a lot of companies is not worth it. They'd rather jump to the neighboring countries to get a bigger pie. So I think that's tough, but it's a great opportunity to learn. Um, you can learn about catering to one set of customer because if you got one Korean, you got a lot of them in terms of fashion, food.
0: You know, it's funny, because I always say to, to the people that I talk to on the podcast, like, yeah. let's try, because, you know, I, I did an, I did a season in Paris and I did one in England. That's right. And I, I always say, like, let's try not to generalize the population, but I kind of feel like it's relatively justified in Korea.
1: It's tough, yeah, it's, it, yeah. we're trying to be nice, we're trying not to do that, judge them as individuals, but uh, you've been here long enough, you know it's, and use that to your advantage.
0: Mm, Again, fun, advice yeah.
1: to business folks, if you got something Koreans like, you're gonna cash out real quick. It won't be long, but it's, it's a momentary blip of success. Uh-huh. But the lessons you've learned from that, besides the money, you can take that to other markets, and most importantly, you've learned something that is not taught in a book. And and your your measurement of failure here is quite minimal. It's not that bad. I've seen folks rise, some folks stop, but they don't get past that glass ceiling because they just can't get past the big boys like LG and Samsung. They, they just chop them right down. But it's a great learning ground, I think.
0: And, and I mean, Korea has done the same thing, right? right? Because it's been, what, four decades and they've just managed to boom in in so many things, democracy, uh, democracy economy, like, right. but what's the consequence of that? Like, what happens when a nation in four decades kind of managed to modernize completely? And what, what's kind of the consequence of that, do you think?
1: If anything, uh, you know, again, going back to their boom, I, I wonder if they can maintain that.
0: Mm.
1: And the consequence is you're giving history lessons on, hey, look what we did before. We can't do it again, or can we build on that? And you look at the, you look at Korea. I think they're a technological powerhouse. Let's use that as an example. Mm-hmm. Hardware-wise, they got they're very strong in hardware. Best TVs in the world, probably great phones as well. Everyone's got a phone. Uh, but when it comes to software, they're completely numb. And if you've ever, you've ever tried to buy something online in the internet in Korea, it's it's absolutely hair pulling frustrating. You try to check your bank account. It's like, who sat in a meeting and thought this was a great idea? And because it's an aging population, your grandma's not going to be able to know what her PIN number is, and it's unnecessarily complicated. So because of this boom, I feel it's very one-sided. It's more than just technology. You look back as we talked about education. It's very one-sided. Hard in the paint with the books. But when it comes to practicing what you have learned, it's a different world, and then they become shocked. And they might put themselves down. Oh, I'm not good at English after all. I, I couldn't even talk to this guy today. I studied for English for 20 years, but I couldn't do it. And I think it's really how you prep these kids in the beginning in the classroom. Maybe it's the university classroom or if you have children at home. You've got to be able to prepare them. And I think today's youth is not as prepared to build on this boom that Korea has had. They're just not. And unfortunately, I've seen young people here in Korea, they, they don't even know how to use a computer. But boy, they can check their Instagram real fast. <laughs> but when it comes to putting together a spreadsheet for the boss or a nice presentation, they're clueless because they don't use computers growing up in this classroom. It's the book, check it, and you're done. There's little writing, little interaction. And again, I'm focused on the youth because well, that's the future of this, com- this country. Mm-hmm. All right, the old folks did it, cool. They did a great job with industrialization and developing their labor force. Great, thank you, that's the foundation. What's next?
0: I mean, we did speak about this earlier as well, like um, the generational divide here. Yeah. So what what, what do you think's in the in the future for these young people entering corporate life and career? Are they taking over everything that their previous generation left off, and are they just carrying that on, or do they have to modify it?
1: They're inheriting a lot of garbage. <laughs> you know, they That's really a are. statement. It is, they are. It's a lot of garbage. and. It's the garbage of bureaucracy and how things used to be done. Again, it's easy to be told what to do. A lot of people like that, and that's cool. We need people like that. But for, for the younger folks here in Korea who wish to make a difference and to establish themselves, I think it's tough because illiteracy has a different meaning today, doesn't it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Back in the day, illiteracy means you could not read and write. But today, illiteracy, I believe, means your ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn. You're going to have to relearn your entire job, 40% of it, in three to four years. Things are changing. You look at the journalism business, for example, here in Korea. Nobody is making money off subscriptions anymore. Kids don't even know what a newspaper is. The business model of watching news on television has completely evolved into communities of communication, namely the internet. And again, the folks there behind the desk making the decisions, they don't understand that. What is a Twitter? They don't understand. They think it's just a short sentence. Instagram is just food pictures. It's beyond that. It is outreach. But because they're accustomed to the old way and they're telling the younger folks, hey, this is the way it's gotta be done, they're inheriting the garbage, the garbage thinking. It's like that closet at home you have. You got some old clothes you're just not ready to throw away, and it's your, that closet's your mind. You got some old thoughts that you're just not ready to throw away, and that's where I feel that the young, younger folks in Korea are inheriting. They're inheriting that closet of thinking, if you will. And the only way to, to affect that change is to be the change. And boy, that's mighty hard in this culture.
0: But it, it must also be super hard for a young Korean person who's never been taught about innovation and creativity mm. to come into a market and mm-hmm. then say, you know what, I would like to change this. Mm-hmm. I would like to do some innovation on mm-hmm. this.
1: It's, it's really, I feel... You can start, again, if you're in the university and you're doing these projects, it's how you deliver that project. Mm-hmm. If you're, you're supposed to do out an interview out there, I mean, it's, it, it comes down to the equipment you use, the room you're in, the type of conversation you have, your editing skills. You've got to be able to present it in a way where it's uniquely you and supremely different. And you've got to be able to do that consistently, and that's so hard. It's so hard. You know, the other day I was helping out this high school gal, and they had a project of a day in the life of you. So they had their phone, and they're recording the day in the life of and it was very cute. And you see a lot of these folks, they tend to do the same. It's handheld camera, they avoid the faces mostly, poorly lit, very little production value. And you got one student who, who worked with a tutor, an American tutor, and it was finely edited. It just flo- it was like a YouTube video
0: mm-hmm.
1: with great commentary. They used tripods, they, they had lav mics on, the quality was better, so thus it was more enjoyable to watch. And it sustained the viewership for that video. So it starts with those projects. And when you build those habits of changing and improving things, you naturally carry that into the workplace. Even if you're brand new and you're just writing reports, does the report look nice? Is it presentable? Is it easy to read? And then the boss is going to be like, hey, you know what? You bring some pretty fresh ideas here. Start small.
0: Well, I can can tell you for for sure that I did enjoy the the design of the, the, <laughs> the notes that you sent back to me. <laughs>
1: You're very welcome. I I'm a design freak. I I'm very obsessed with that. I look at a document and it can be so much more digestible.
0: Yes. To me. Yeah.
1: Because if somebody gives me a wall of text, I I'm not reading this, guys. <laughs> you know, you got to it's like food. I am not here to eat a pile of foods bigger than my head. You got to make it digestible.
0: Mm.
1: Your information is so pre- prevalent these days. It's not about knowing anymore. It's about can you Deliver the information concisely. And, and that's where your value is at as a teacher or as an influencer in any walk of life, I believe.
0: So I think it's time to round off. But sure. is there anything you feel like you haven't said that you, you want to um, just get around?
1: You know, if I've said anything incorrect or, or, or I've been misinformed, I would love for anyone to contact the show and correct me. I'm willing to, I'm willing to hear people out. Let's and
0: have a debate about it, then.
1: Absolutely. If, if someone feels wrong, if, if there's an older fellow listening, hey, tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where you're right. I, I'm, my eyes are open to other viewpoints. And because I'm inviting me, inviting people to correct me and to see other viewpoints, I hope they will, too.
0: Let's hope that that will happen in the future and in Korean society in general, in corporate life, in educational life, in every aspect of life. In Korea.
1: Absolutely. absolutely.